0: good morning everybody happy valentine's day have you said that to anybody yet I turn to the person next to you and say happy valentine's day you know valentine's day is one of those days that like if you have a valentine it's a really cool day but if you don't it's kind of a bummer i was buying some flowers um a really cool hawaiian pot of flower flower thing for my wife last night and uh the lady checking out, she said, oh, so cute, the guy's buying their flowers and stuff, and I could tell that nobody had bought her flowers, you know what I mean, that she wouldn't get any flowers, and I just thought, you know, it's, it's one of those days, you know, it can, can be melancholy, you can be fired up about it, but um, it is what it is, and I'm grateful to be a Christian, I'm grateful to have a wife of 18 years, and she's been my valentine for 20 years. Because I, I, she was my valentine before we were married, and uh, it's, it's really cool. You know, th- this morning she gave me this jacket so as, as a gift, so I decided I'd wear it today. She's awesome and um, amazing. You know, i, I got to confess, I was a little undisciplined last night. I was watching the Olympics. I hadn't seen the Olympics yet. How many of you guys like the Winter Olympics? Well, I'm a Winter Olympic kind of guy. I mean, that I used to mogul ski... And uh, when I was younger, they didn't have competitions for mogul skiing. So I got into ski racing and I did that through high school and college. But that was kind of my passion when I was younger. So when I turn it on and I see the mogul skiing and guys getting, getting air and people wiping out and it's really cool. And then the, to the luge guy, you know, going down there at, at 89, 90 miles per hour. And the fact that somebody lost their life and the guys are still doing it and I'm watching it. You know, this. did you guys watch it last night where that guy wiped out? And this guy wipes out and he's spinning around. And you're like, no, don't die. And, you know, he doesn't die and you're, he gets back on the luge. And, oh, it's so awesome. But anyway, I stayed up late because I was watching the moguls. And then the short track speed skating. I mean, speed skating's fine. They go on the track. But short track, they can wipe out, you know, and the blades can hit the walls. And, you know, the Koreans are always battling against the Americans. You know, the the best thing last night. The Koreans are battling with the Americans with Apollo Anton And then two of the Koreans on the last turn wipe out. And I'm sorry if you're Korean, but I was fired up. <laughs> it was just really fun. So, uh, you know, I, Kai and I were, you know, we watched a little bit of the NBA uh, last night. The slam dunk contest and stuff. But anyway, I don't know why I'm sharing with, that with you, but I'm a little tired. It's Valentine's Day. Uh, today, the, the, the sermon title is it's more than a feeling. And we're going through the series, The Transforming Power of the Truth. Today, I want to talk about um, Christ's love. Amen? Because Christ's love is more than a feeling. He's got a feeling for us. But His love is expressed in so much more than a feeling. But that's not to say that feelings aren't good things. I am super grateful that I have feelings for my wife. My daughter just turned 15 this week. You know, my boy, we gave him an um, iTunes gift card for Valentine's Day, you know, and he was so fired up, just to see the light in his eyes, because he got a new, you know, he, he got a hand-me-down iPod. Is it an iPod, or the music thing? I, I can't keep up with the technology. The music thing, the MP3 player, he's so fired up. But I want to share with you, um, about 20 years ago, I was contemplating asking my wife now to be my girlfriend. And I want to tell you the story, all right? You guys want to hear the story since it's Valentine's Day? So I'm down in La Jolla. We li- I live in San Diego, and I'm down at La Jolla Cove. If you've ever been there, it's a beautiful spot. And I'm scheming a treasure hunt where, I, you know, I, we're walking down this path. This is my vision. We're walking down this path, and there's some flowers laying beside the path, and next to the flowers is a note. And it leads you to the next clue. So it's clue to clue to clue to clue. And then down by the rocks, down by the ocean, there's this little kind of rock that, that looks like a little island, but you can kind of jump to it. And I'm thinking, this is where we're going to end up. And inside the, the canyon wall or whatever, there's this kind of hole. And there I made this treasure chest. And In it, I had found this heart-shaped rock when I was fishing one day. And I, I had written a poem to her about the things... On my heart that I treasured about her, so I had it in this little treasure chest. So I'm planning it all out, and um, we, you know, we we'd only been I don't know five, six, seven dates, something like that. But I'm but so it's a little premature for me to ask her to be my girlfriend. But I I want to, but I'm afraid. So I'm planning this whole thing out, and I'm out on this rock, this kind of island-shaped rock in La Jolla, and the waves are crashing, and I get cold feet. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe this is too soon. Maybe she's gonna say no. Maybe she's gonna say, are you kidding? We've only been on so many, you know what I mean? The thoughts that go through your mind. Can you relate? So I pray to God. And I'm like, God, if you want me to ask this girl to be my girlfriend, I pray that when I get home today, there's a sign from you. And the sign is this. And she was in Hawaii at the time on vacation. And the sign, it was, it was like over Christmas holiday. The sign was, That she had had to send me something from Hawaii that made it clear that she liked me. She'd never sent me anything before. So I'm thinking, I'm probably not going to, she's probably not going to be my girlfriend on New Year's Eve. I was planning for New Year's Eve. So I come home, you know, saying my prayer, a little bit surrendered that, you know, maybe I'll put it off for a little while, whatever, like that. And I open the door to my house and there's a package on the floor addressed to me, you know, the, the brother's house, we, the mail went on the floor by the front door. And I pick it up, my heart starts beating. I get goosebumps. <laughs> it's a package it's from Hawaii and it's from Amy, you know, and I'm like, oh my goodness, so I sit down. I open it up and there's this frame, a uh, picture frame with three slots and two of them had pictures of us together I didn't even remember p- taking the pictures on some of our earlier dates. And in the middle was a scripture, that the one in Thessalonians, where it said, I thank my God every time I remember you. And I'm thinking, she's thanking God when she remembers me? I'm like, I, I think God answered my prayer. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there was a feeling... And I wanted to pursue a relationship with her to the next level, but there was a fear there. But when I saw the substance, this frame, it became more than a feeling. It was an action. So we, the treasure hunt went on. So we drove down to a beautiful, it 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 was New Year's Eve, 1989, long time ago. Some of you guys weren't born yet. And we went down to Cove, it was a beautiful night, and we went through the thing, and, you know, she saw the, we, we let her down, and the, the thing was, is for me, jumping around on rocks was nothing, but she wasn't super fired up to jump on that island-shaped rock. And it took some convincing and some prodding and help to get her down there. So by the time we got down there, I'm thinking that she's going to be all excited about the treasure, and she's like freaking out, like on this rock. And then she sees it, and she realizes what's going on, and I asked her to be my girlfriend, and she said she'd... Um be my girlfriend. And we had our first kiss right there on that rock. Isn't that awesome? I'll tell you later another time I'll tell you about the time we got engaged with a hot air balloon, but that's another story. But I tell you what, you know, that was um her saying I'd love to be your girlfriend was good news to me. You know, don't we don't we love good news? Um do you know that Jesus' life and death and resurrection is considered good news? Prophesied about throughout the Bible. And Jesus' fulfillment of the prophecy. But when Amy said, you know, I want to be a that was good news to me. And, I, you know, have you ever got a phone call where someone calls you and says, I've got good news, give me a call back. Is that a call that you return quickly or that you delay? You know, maybe, you know, it's... You, You know what? I found out he he likes you, or she she wants to go out on a date with you, or maybe maybe it's um she's pregnant, or maybe it's you got the job, right? What's the other good news we can get? You won the lottery. Anyone ever get that news? I never got that news. I don't play the lottery because I figure the only way to win the lottery is not to play, so I win all the time. You got a raise. You'd been going to the doctor and you find out that the test results are negative. I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, we look forward to good news, right? But Jesus coming to earth is considered good news. And I've been doing a Bible study on the good news and on how they shared their faith in the first century. And and through the book of Acts, they just basically always led with the good news. This guy, Jesus, fulfilled the prophecies. He died on the cross because he loves you so much and to forgive you of your sin. And he was raised again through the power of God, meaning that you, too, can live a new life. And they shared it over and over and over again. But Jesus' love for us is more than a feeling. I want to read some scriptures together today. I want to talk about the good news, how it's more than a feeling. But before we get into the word, I want to pray together. Let's pray. God, thank you for love. And on this day, uh, in our culture, we celebrate love. And we're thankful for the people we have in our lives that love us and that we love. But today, I, I pray that we can look at your love for us. I pray that we can look at the love displayed by you offering your son to die so that we could be saved. Open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to the scriptures as we read them today. I pray for myself and for everybody here that we'll respect the scriptures today and we'll let them move our hearts. God, we know you love us. We don't always feel it. Help us feel it. God, we want to love you with all of our hearts in ways that please you, and yet we fall short all the time. Help us understand today that your love is greater than our weakness, that your love is greater than our sin, that your love is greater than our temptation, God, I pray today as we leave here that we will see your love as good news and that it will fill our hearts and our souls. And and not only that, God, that we'll be fired up to share the good news of your love with other people. Bless this time of study in Christ's name. Amen. In John chapter 3 and verse 16. You guys with me here? For God so loved the world That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God has a feeling for all of us. He loves us. But his love was more than a feeling. He gave. It's not like he had a plethora of sons. He gave his one and only son. You know, I think the two things that move me, the two stories that move me most in the Bible is Abraham being willing to offer Isaac and God giving his son. Because I have a, I have a daughter and I have a son and I can't fathom giving up my son or my daughter for any of you guys. Not even for all of you guys. I don't love you that much. My love for you is... Way too imperfect for me to want to do that. I'm just being real here. Yet God loved me so much that He was willing to give up His Son for me. That's an amazing thought. Lo- love, the love of God, is not just a feeling; it's a sacrifice. And there's a lot of ways He could have shown His love for us. But I think what with Jesus dying on the cross, what more could He have done? You can't even think of anything more. How much more could God have expressed his love? If you were God and you wanted to tell these knuckleheads down on earth how much you loved him. And you want your love to transform their lives from living for sin in themselves but and for him. What would you have done to show your love? I'm going to go down and, I'll, you know, I'm going to talk to some of these respected guys and I'll call them prophets and they'll go tell the people. Well, he tried that. I'm going to do great miracles for him. Well, he tried that. I'm going to flood the earth, (laughs) repopulate it. He tried that. I guess I'm going to have to sacrifice my son so they understand. But you know what? Jesus' love and his death is God saying, I love you. So whether or not you got any flowers today or a gift or a card Whether or not you're in love right now with a person, God loves you. God is in love with you. God's sweet on you. Amen? And hopefully as we read these scriptures, you'll feel a little bit of God's love. In Luke chapter 2, in verse 9, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The angel comes, and there's light all around the angel. And then the angel, the first thing the angel says is, don't be terrified. If it were me, I'm just imagining the scene. Imagine being there and you've never seen an angel. And an angel shows up and there's light all around the angel. And then the angel says, don't be terrified. I would say, why is there so much light around you if you don't want me to be terrified? Turn off the light and maybe I won't be terrified. But at any rate, the angel wanted them to listen. Today... In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior. This is good news of great joy. I tell you what, if you don't know you need a Savior, how good a news is that? But if you're looking forward to a Savior, if you know you need a Savior, that's good news of great joy. Amen? And in the Jewish mind at that time, they were looking forward to some, for some, you know, the Messiah to come and save them from the hand of the Romans. So they had a shallow idea of what the Savior would be. But the reality is the Savior came to forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life. Amen. But the angels said that Jesus coming would be good news. So Jesus starts his ministry in Luke chapter four. You can flip over there with me or just look on the screen. So Jesus comes into this synagogue and everyone's looking at him and he unrolls Isaiah. Like this. That's how they read the Bible back then. It was a scroll. Unroll it to the place of Isaiah, you know, 61. 61. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. If you were a Jew and you'd read Isaiah and you've been waiting for the Messiah, you'd either be really fired up or really terrified. Cuz if you know, if you're if you're spiritually minded and you're you're trying to be righteous with God and the Messiah shows up, you're like, "Wow! I'm here in the presence of the Messiah. I've been waiting for this." But if you're living in sin and hiding out or wherever you're at and the Messiah shows up, you're thinking, "Oh my goodness." And when when people hear the good news, they have those same two responses, right? It's either good news to them or it's, oh my goodness. What is the good news? Why Why is Jesus good news? He preaches good news to the poor. Those who know they need a savior, those who know they need to change, those who are looking forward to forgiveness of their sins, those who want to go to heaven, they're poor in spirit. They know they need God. And for all of the people out there, including us, that feel the need for God, Jesus is good news. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, for those of us enslaved to sin, which includes all of us. And we, we want to change and we can't change and we've tried this and we've tried that and we've tried that and we can't change we're imprisoned we're enslaved by our sin we can be released we can have victory over our sin that's good news. Recovery of sight for the blind you lost your way you had this clear conscience as a child and you, you had this vision to help people and vision to make an impact and vision to love and vision to be loved and vision to be close with God but you lost your way you can't see you're living for sin you're Your your ambitions, your passions, your motives are all worldly. And you feel dirty and you don't want to look in the mirror. And yet Jesus can give you sight back to see what's really important. And to see that life can be valuable and that relationships are meaningful. Jesus is good news. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, Jesus coming, guys, is favor to us. He loves us. Jesus is good news. Amen? Acts chapter 1. When I, you know, when I initially did the study on the good news, I was reading through Acts. So a few of the scriptures we're going to share come out of the book of Acts. But I wanted to know why in the first century that they basically just talked about Jesus. They let their conversations were starting with Jesus and ending with Jesus. Paul in 1 Corinthians says, I resolved to know nothing except Christ and Christ crucified. In fact, people didn't consider Paul a powerful speaker. So, you know, they, they thought he was weak because all he talked about was Jesus. He never talked about himself. Lest the cross be emptied of its power. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion when he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus died. He was resurrected. And for 40 days, he hung out and he spent time and he talked with the apostles and the disciples. The guy died. His heart stopped beating. He had a hole in his side and holes in his wrists and holes in his feet. He was dead. And three days later, he was raised to life. And these people are witnesses of the fact. It wasn't that long ago, guys. It was 2,000 and 10 years or 2,000 and whatever. Almost 2,000 years ago. If AD is the year of his birth. But anyway, about 2,000 years ago. And he was resurrected. God in the flesh became man. And died because of his love for us and was resurrected by the power of God. Does that still stir you? Does it mean anything to you? Guys, this is the good news. That same power who raised Jesus from the dead is the power you have access to as a Christian. So when they met together, they asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth, even the west side of Los Angeles. Obviously, I added the last part. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Wouldn't it have been cool to watch Jesus just float up into the air like a helium balloon? I I, I don't know when's the last time you read this passage, but Jesus really ascended. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Because Jesus just went through the cloud? Of course. I mean, angels, I think, ask stupid questions. If there's any of you around here right now, I apologize. It was just a joke. This same Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. Jesus is coming back. My dad used to have this expression, you're slower than the second coming. I never knew what it meant. I'm 23 years old. I become a Christian. I'm reading the book of Acts. And I'm like, Jesus coming back has taken a long time. Ah, oh, I know what my dad was saying I'm slower than the second coming of Christ. My whole life, he was telling me I was slower than the second coming. And I finally figured out what it meant. How do you feel about the fact that Jesus is coming back one day? What if he came back today? Would that be good news to you? Wouldn't it be cool? Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Jesus is coming back. It's going to be a cool day. Men of Israel, this is Peter now talking. The Holy Spirit had come on them in Acts 2. You can read it later. Peter's talking. Um, he's speaking... Hebrew, I guess, or Aramaic, and everyone's understanding in their own language. It's an amazing day. He's speaking one language and everybody's understanding in their own language. So what he's saying has a little significance. So pay attention, okay? You guys are with me, right? It's important. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, Men and women of Los Angeles, listen to this. Jesus is from God. The miracles, the fulfilled prophecies prove it. You, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. You are responsible for the death of Jesus. I am responsible for the death of Jesus. Jesus. My sins are the reason that Jesus is on the cross. Your sins are the reason that Jesus is on the cross. You are responsible for the death of Jesus. That's bad news, right? But God raised him from the dead. That's good news, right? David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You have filled me with joy in your presence about a thousand years. Before this happens, David is prophesying about it. That Jesus, you know, his body wouldn't see decay, that he'd be raised to life. Isn't that cool that the prophets talked about exactly what happened? And you don't want to take responsibility for the death of Jesus. I know you don't. I'm not guilty. We are all trying to shift guilt all the time. Don't put that on me. Don't put that on me. Well, wait a minute. Was this prophesied about a thousand years before? Wow. Maybe there's something to it. How do you feel knowing that what Jesus did was foretold in the scriptures earlier? In Acts 2 verse 36. Peter's continuing to talk and he says, therefore, let all Israel and everyone here be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, just in case they didn't get it the first time that their sins put Jesus on the cross. He he reiterates it. You know how that is? Because we're a little hard headed sometimes. Hard hearted sometimes. You did it. You're guilty. When the people heard this. They were cut to the heart. and said to Peter and the other apostles brothers what shall we do? when they heard the good news wasn't fancy wasn't any singing there's no balloons wasn't a band wasn't a nice banner no powerpoint no leather bible no El Pollo Loco They heard the good news. That Jesus died for them. And they were cut to the heart. As the good news can cut our heart. Brothers, what shall we do? They're like, what, what, what can we do? Is there anything we can do? The bad news is we killed Jesus. The bad news is we're sinners. Is there any hope for us? I'm a sinful man. You know, like Peter when he was in the boat. He got down on his knees full of fish. He said, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. Here, Peter says, now, when they're on their knees saying, what shall we do? And they're kind of basically up to their, their ears in fish. And they're saying, what shall I do? He says to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You know what he says? You can be forgiven of your sins. Even the sin of putting Jesus on the cross. And that was good news to their ears. And you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call, even those in the west side of Los Angeles. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They said they were cut and they were saying, what shall we do? But he had to spend a long time continuing to preach. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. You know how that is? Sometimes you're cut and you say, I surrender. What shall I do? And then you back up and you go, well, wait a minute. That means I got to give up all this stuff. I, I surrendered to Jesus to your lordship. Well, wait a minute. That means I, I, I can't do this anymore. You know how that is? Your heart is. And your heart goes back and forth. So he preached to him. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. God's moving. God's here. He's cut your heart. Become a Christian. Turn your life and make Jesus Lord. He'll forgive your sins. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. And the people's hearts were wavering. He says, what's the other option? This corrupt generation is going to take you out. Are you going to live for God? Or are you going to live for this corrupt generation? That's the choice we have today, isn't it? What are we going to live for? Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's good news, isn't it? 3,000 people. And I I pray and I dream that one day in my lifetime I can be in a place where 3,000 people are baptized. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I want to be there. You want to go with me? I have a feeling it's not going to be in the U.S., He's going to be in China or somewhere in Asia or Africa or something. And we'll probably have initially met the people via Skype and YouTube or whatever. I really believe that. But I think there's going to be churches exploding all over the world in the near future. If you don't believe that, that's fine. Acts chapter 3. I think as we, just sh- as we get better at just sharing the taking all the fluff off the good news and just share the good news... I think more and more people will become Christians. Acts 3, verse 24. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many of have has spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. You know what the good news is? Simply, God turned us from our wicked ways. It was prophesied about since Abraham and all the prophets since then, 2,000 years before the time. As long as it is from now to Jesus, that much time ahead ahead of time from Abraham, it was prophesied about that Jesus would be good news. That Jesus would turn us from our wicked ways. That Jesus would be the Savior of the world. And you know what? it's good news generally but you know what else it's good news specifically to me if I wasn't a Christian I wouldn't be married there'd be no Kalena that's her name by the way it's not Lena it's Kalena call her Lena if you want to but we named her Kalena I like that name Kalena I always like that name She's 15, though. She chooses, she chooses to call herself Lena. That's okay. Kind of. There'd be no Kainoa. That's his real name. Bet everyone said that's a pretty name for a girl when he's a baby, so we shortened it to Kai. It was originally Kainoa. I wouldn't be here. Guys, I had no hope of a marriage. My parents didn't stay married. My aunts and uncles didn't stay married. I didn't know anybody whose marriages worked. I was a selfish pagan. All I cared about was winning races, going surfing, and hitting on girls. I lived for myself. I don't think I had a relationship that lasted over six months with a girl. I was a pagan. I was a sinner. I had no hope. If it weren't for the disciples, if it weren't for Jesus coming, I'd have stated my wicked, selfish, sinful, immoral ways. Jesus turned me from my wicked ways. So cool. I was hanging out with Daniel Cruz the other night, and Mike. We had our, we we're having a discipleship group hanging out, and I don't know Daniel very well. He's kind of telling him his, he was telling me his story. He said, "You know, Tony, I, I don't have any bitterness towards anything." He said, "I know, without God in His Church, I wouldn't have Alice. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have my kids." He said, "I have so much more to be grateful for than things I feel bad about. And if anybody ever hurt me or sinned against me, I just forgive them." Guys, Jesus turned us from our wicked ways. We have a testimony. And you know what? I really think that we should share the good news more. And I think we should share our testimony a, a few ways that God has turned us from our wicked ways more. Amen? I think we're pre- you know, we've gotten pretty good at inviting people to church. Would you like to come? Okay, see ya. But man, you share the good news. You share your testimony about the way you've been turned from your wicked ways. People that don't know they're looking for good news all of a sudden will realize, I need that good news. Romans chapter 10. If I get the ushers to hand out the sheets, that would be great. Romans 10 verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Do you know if you share the good news with somebody that Jesus came, is prophesied about, that he died because he loved us and he was raised by the power of God, you have beautiful feet. Everybody look at your feet. Are they beautiful? You're going to wait a minute. I don't know that by looking at my feet. I know that by whether or not I'm sharing the good news. Verse 16. But not all Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? In order to make Jesus Lord and call on him, you've got to believe in him, right? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? If they don't hear the good news, they're not, how can they believe it? And guys, I gotta tell you one thing about religiosity in the world right now. There's a lot of Christianity out there that's, that's void of the good news. Where people are not sharing their transformed lives. I was, I was involved in denominational Christianity for years. There wasn't a lot of transformed lives going on. There was a lot of believing without changing. The good news is is that Jesus can change us. Amen? And how can they preach unless they are sent? What I handed out to you guys to look at it is a study. It's called The Good News. It's basically the lesson I just did. Amen? With questions that you can ask people. Amen? On the back of it is a little catalyst worksheet to help you. Figure out what your transformational testimony is. That verse there, simple questions. How do you feel blessed by Jesus? What are some the most significant wicked ways that Jesus turned you from? Because your testimony has got to have some meat, right? There's another scripture in Mark 5 where the demon-possessed man was converted. and, And Jesus says, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Jesus gave a little testimony catalyst. What has Jesus done for you? How has he had mercy on you? So in conclusion, I have an assignment for you. Amen? How can they preach unless they are... Thank you, Ren. Sent. Today... I'm sending you. Amen? When's the last time you shared the good news? So here's my assignment Share the good news. Amen? You want some specifics? All right, let's get some specifics. Refine your testimony. Call it, a, and the singles are calling this a transformonial, how you're sharing how you've been transformed. I'd like you to read these scriptures, to pray about it, reflect on it, write it out, and then refine it. You know, share it with a couple of friends, maybe in your small group, what your testimony is. Tie it down to a couple of minutes where you can share it during the study. If you look at the Good News study right after Acts chapter 3, verse 24, where it says how God turned them from their wicked ways, that's the place where you can share your testimony during the study. You guys with me here? Number two, invite your friends over for dinner. Everybody will come to dinner. It's not a hard thing to get people to do. The Goldbergs do it all the time. They have people over for dinner and they ask them to study the Bible. If it works for them, it'll work for you. Three, ask them, do you know why Jesus' life is considered good news? They go, no, I always wondered about that. And when they say, I always wondered about that, you know what you say? Let me tell you. Next, share the good news study. Crack the Bible. Pray, you know, beforehand. And then share your transformational or testimonial at at that point in the study, all right? Number six, watch the good news transform your friend. And number seven, look at your feet. They'll be beautiful. So next time you look at your feet, hopefully, you will have shared the good news with somebody. My goal and my prayer, what I'm going to pray for, all right, I'm going to let you know. My prayer is that every single person in here we will do this study with somebody. you think you can do that? You won't do it unless you pray for that. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to go home, look over the scriptures, read them again, pray about them. I'd like you to flip the thing, read those scriptures, pray about those, write down the ways that God's transformed your life. If you're new and you're like, man, this is the first time i ever heard, ever heard the good news, ask the person who brought you to, re- to review the study with you again. Amen? And then, guys... Figure out who you can invite over for dinner. And I really believe, guys, that the good news will transform many more lives of people here in the west side of L.A. Share the good news. Thanks.